0: from the ground up is supported by HowlRound, a free and open platform for theater makers worldwide it's available on itunes google play and howround.com dear artists welcome again to from the ground up i'm your host jeffrey moser Uh, Thank you again for joining me today. We've had a few episodes where NIFA has come up and that's the new England foundation for the arts. Um, in particular, um, Tiara and Junebug have spoken about it and talked about some of the grants and the funding that they've received from them. So I thought the easiest thing to do would be just to reach out and talk to somebody there to talk about how we can sustain our ensemble-based work to the people who are looking to sustain uh, ensemble-based work. I have the pleasure to speak with Keita Sullivan, who is program director of theater at the New England Foundation for the Arts, and. Some of my favorite parts of this conversation include the idea of a granting organization as a thought partner, a phrase that I had not thought about in this context, but the idea of an organization being someone as a resource, as a partner in your work, and not just someone who is holding a big bag of money over you, feels a whole lot more welcoming. Uh, Kita also opens our eyes a bit wider to the greater field of theater. How do ensembles make it stronger? Why should ensembles tour? And how can we get better in equity with our grant making? All right, listen up. Kita, this is Jeff Moser. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Um, What is driving this interview is I started... um, I uh, started as an ensemble-based theater maker myself and have uh, ran a company in Boston for a brief period, and uh, then I started grad school. And part of what has been so curious and exciting to me about theater making is that uh, collectively created process. And to me, it's about how do you make the art with that sort of ensemble sensibility but also how do you pay for the art how how can we better sustain these ensembles and make sure that they have you know that it isn't just an exhausting process for them for our audiences who might not know what nifa is could you give us the you know the the elevator pitch of what nifa might be or what nifa is
1: well, NIFA is a uh, regional arts organization. Um, our goal is to enrich the cultural landscape in New England and the nation. Um, we do that by investing in artists and communities and fostering equitable access to the arts. Uh, we work in partnership with the National Endowment for the Arts, uh, New England State Arts Agencies, and private foundations. So we work in areas of, excuse me, grant making convenings and professional development. Uh, We do creative economy research. Uh, We have an online directory of New England's cultural assets, um, and that's called Creative Ground. Um, And the grant making is within New England, and then we have national programs. We have an international program, and then we have um, several uh, local programs. And I'm the director of the national theater project i'm the program director for theater
0: right yes and this position is sort of i guess within the last few years relatively new yes correct
1: yes um this grant wasn't created until 2010 but it's modeled on our older program the national dance project the national dance project is over 20 years old Mm -hmm. and that has funded uh dance across the country nationally um, since it was created. So in 2010, when we were approached uh, by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation about applying that model to an area that they saw was underfunded, and that's the device and ensemble world, um, they were interested in whether or not that model would work um and so we embarked on a two-year pilot uh, that was 2010 2011. and um those first 12 grantees uh were pretty much from across the country it was um and that was to see how the program would best serve the field Mm -hmm. as well as the artists and so really in terms of reaching theater nationally it's been since 2010. Although NIFA has um, has been doing national work for
0: some time, I'm 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 hearing the Mellon Foundation over and over again. It sounds like they have really sort of been um, at the forefront of this as well, and sort of just being able to see sort of the thirty thousand foot view of what other kinds of theater making is out there. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with them at all?
1: Sure. Um, they're in to my mind. They're not just. Uh, a funder. They're very much a thought partner, Mm -hmm. and uh, from the beginning, the theater project has had program evaluation built into it, and so they have been um, party to all of that evaluation. Uh, They attend meetings where we have policy discussions, and so they are in a position to hear what people are concerned about. Um, Basically, our advisors are concerned about um, different trends, and um, and it follows along with their approach, which is really looking very broadly um, at the field, at, at art, um, and finding ways where they can support things that will make a difference. I think that's really what it is. And, and so that has sort of grown up through the National Theatre Project with wanting to support artists in a way that's a little bit more comprehensive and Mm. to be far more supportive and sustainable, I guess, for artists. So they've been great thought partners. Um, When they hear things, we talk about whether or not this is something that could be um, a supplement to the program, Mm -hmm. would strengthen the program, would strengthen the field. And it's great. I mean, I can't... I don't know a lot of other funders that operate that way. I do know a couple, but um, but they're really very involved in making this project
0: grow. That a thought partner—that's a the word that's giving me tingles. I think that's a really fantastic way to feel about you know such an organization that that, that you are working together to look both collectively <clears throat> across. Um, what something needs, what a field needs. I think that's a fantastic way to think about it. You know, it seems like there's a big collaborative um, understanding of what ensembles sort of need in that regard. And I also noticed from the information that you've put on your website about how you have these national project advisors. Do they give their point of view on on each project as well?
1: They are, uh, aside from, um, again, being a group of people who help think broadly about the field. <clears throat> they are the people who make the decisions about who gets the grant. Uh-huh. So they are also our panel.
0: What goes into that sort of decision-making process?
1: This last round, we had, uh, we have an online grant application mm-hmm. system. We, and the grant application is actually a two-part. One is an initial preliminary LOI, if you will. Um, and that, uh that generally opens in January and closes in March. So by the end, when it closed in March, we had 100 eligible applications.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: Those that those applications go into a electronic panel book, which is sent to the 12 advisors. They read all 100 applications Amazing. and submit in, initial comments to me and initial scores to me before we actually convene an in-person meeting where we go over the applications. Now, we, obviously, we're not going to discuss all 100, mm-hmm. but by that point, each application has been read and I've received comments. Um, so the so we then will look at however many they decide where there's a real break in the scoring, and then we go from there. And uh, from that 100, we just picked 24, or Mm. they just picked. I manage the meeting, they do the selection. 24 to move on to the final application. Wow. And then that final application is a similar process, except that each of those 12 advisors is assigned two of the projects who've applied to mentor through that final application. Oh, wow. yeah, they advise on work samples, on language, they help with budget, um, so, so that uh, the best application can come in um, in June, which is when that final application is, is done, and then we will have another meeting in July in person to talk about the 24, and from there we will choose eight.
0: Can, you, can we just take one step back from that and just talk about sort of what puts them in that eligible pile of the top 100?
1: You know devised ensemble theater work is broad it can range anywhere from dance theater to opera to something that in the end will appear as traditional theater even though it was not created that way Mm. um so in that term that sense the sky's the limit you know as long as you can explain and this is the fundamental thing Uh why this is devised why it is ensemble, um, you know, and some it can be devised and ensemble. It can be devised, uh, it that, and that is the preference is that it's both. Um, yeah. But you have to make the case as why it fits in there, and that's especially true if you are um, a dance company that straddles that line, uh. um, you know, or musicians who are straddling that line why would you apply to a theater program for this piece right so because it is possible it's totally possible Um, but it it, that fundamentally needs to be clear Mm -hmm. having an idea of where you want to tour um, across the country Mm. or regionally is also critically important and um, having a development partner and a development partner is an organization of some sort, and it doesn't have to be a theater organization, Mm -hmm. um, that helps with the development of the piece, whether it's with uh, reaching community, whether it is, uh, you know, helping shape the dramaturgy of the work, whether it's providing a significant residency where some major portion will be worked on that development partner is a resource outside of the artist Mm -hmm. who is going to help move that work forward Mm. because we found that that, those artists who have that outside resource are those who really, really um, can finish with a lot less stress on themselves and their organization. Um, So that's
0: become, that actually has been very, very important. Mm being successful. You touch on language and I feel like with this sort of non-traditional theater making, ensembles tend to like create their own sort of language around things and maybe they don't call their artistic director an artistic director or maybe they or maybe they don't have an artistic directory. Um, and that can even vary from group to group. How do you navigate the sort of various terminology that can sort of come at you within an application?
1: Well, our question actually is about, describe your process. And so that's where it's like, well, you know, if we hear a lot of, well, I, you know, my vision or I do this this, this, we're like, well, how is that devised an ensemble? Mm. it's like a single vision. If it's my vision. Going, right, yeah. And so how do you, uh, you know, so they can, the 12 people at that table um, are very experienced in... Um, devise an ensemble work Mm -hmm. they have a lot of great relationships um, and in fact um, we do look for advisors who have a broad range of experience whether they're presenters or theater thinkers or artists Um, one of our panelists is a former grantee so Mm -hmm. um, so he understands the process intimately Mm -hmm. and when the question asked: uh, Describe your process for creating this work. Um, usually, you can tell if mm. it's going to be a devised ensemble by how that that language is. If you are constantly using "I," it's yeah. going to call a question. And this is a note for all of those artists who have agents. For these advisors, if the artist's voice isn't clear. Mm. Um, it will also raise a red flag.
0: Can you give an example of being uh, unclear? Like, are they being too broad?
1: Um, often that may be the case. Um, you know, it starts to get into grant speak. Okay. Which, you know, you know um, it's clear some development officer did this for them. Mm. Um, you know, and it's okay to have a development person do that, but if the artists aren't sitting there talking to the development person and, and you can't hear that voice in the narrative mm-hmm. questions, mm-hmm. then um, that it, it, it's pretty clear. You can usually tell. For instance, yeah. Um, yeah. if you have a group that does not have an artistic director, mm-hmm. which many ensembles don't, um, you still have a process. hmm And, you know, any person within the ensemble knows what that process is, and that's how they work. And so they can describe that process. But in the middle of describing it, they're not going to say, well, I do such and such. They're going to say, we do things this way. Mm -hmm. Um, A development person might say, things are done like such and such. But that's mm. not the same as saying, well, we do it this way and we do it this way because, mm. right? So uh, so there's a different voice that each person brings. But when it is a device, and ensemble creation, there's an ownership by more than one person. Mm. And that needs to be
0: clear. Sure. It's so funny. It feels like you're trying to personalize a group uh, mindset. Yeah. Yes.
1: This is it's very definitely, it's, um, creation is a personal thing, mm-hmm. and um, the, these grants are large, and they are decided on by people who are working in the field. Mm-hmm. So the idea is not for us to be the funder sitting up a high, deciding, oh, this is a great project, let's give them some money. Um, it's really about what the artist wants to do, and that's what we want to support.
0: Great. Can you can you point to big differences between how NEFA operates versus another grant panel?
1: We do. We have a lot of conversation in our panel meetings, and we start our conversations like most do with reviewing the criteria and all of that. But we look. We also talk about um, equity. We talk about what's happening in the field. We talk about um, you know what are who are the grantees we never see? Mm. Um, wh- where are we never getting applications from? Um, or this play- this area has submitted a lot of applications, but no one's getting awarded, and why is that? And so we talk about those things as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, whereas a grant panel might just come in and they'll talk about the applications, and then they're done. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're always thinking towards the next cycle as well. What can we do better? Mm-hmm. How can we really take NIFA's equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility values and put them into the grant making process? Uh, so that's one of those, you know, it, that's why they're advisors and not just a panel. Yeah, yeah. And it also helps that, you know, advisors serve three year terms. Mm. So that there's always someone who's new to the process in the room, okay. and there are always those who were new the year before, and now kind of really have an idea. And then there, then there are those who have experienced this is their third grant round, and they are they're looking at things and going, okay, this is better than it was last year, and um, this is the growth I've seen in the program. And so you know, so there's always a range of experience with uh, panel. Our advisors, mm-hmm. um, but it also helps a long-term view uh, of what is being funded and uh, what things look like nationally, which you don't get if you are convening a panel for one time only.
0: One of the things I noticed on your website is the uh, is that there you have a particular grant called transition grants uh, for infrastructure which I feel like infrastructure is something that a lot of grant givers are not interested in infrastructure. They're in, interested in sort of like project-based or like outcome-based sort of results. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, about those opportunities?
1: Sure. And so this goes back to the continual learning that we do through the program evaluation uh-huh. and discussions with our advisors. In discussions with our grantees, um, that some of what happens with the creation and touring project is that they have enough money to have support for that project. Um, In addition to the creation and touring grant, every project also gets a $10,000 tour administration grant, which Mm. they can use to... Whatever they needed to in order to help them tour, whether it's, that's hiring a tour coordinator or a manager or ramping up someone's hours so they can actually take it on. Um, so that's, that's separate from the actual, uh, award. Mm. And, um, and they come to the end of the project and then there's no more money to continue this position or to build on the relationships that they've made during the, with the tour, Um, or, you know, they've come to realize that the landscape of funding has changed and they need a new development strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of these things are exacerbated when you get this big project grant, and then it's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so these grants were created to help smooth that transition so that they can either Build up those resources, sustain the resources that they created during their their uh, NTP grant, um, or think strategically going forward. Uh, it's been um, it's a relatively new part of the grant, okay. but it is one where. Um, we heard loud and clear. Oh, this has been so amazing to have this person working with us. We really, really need the infrastructure to keep this person. Mm. And so, while the grants may not, you know, pay a full salary, th- what they are there to do is to help them make that transition and hopefully um, move them further along towards keeping that c- capacity that they built. Yeah. And and it's important. I mean, yeah. I. We don't want to – big grants on small companies can be a, a major burden.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And so we – and that's a recognition that we have.
0: And this, these transition grants are also by invitation only, is that correct?
1: Right. You have to have finished your um, creation and touring grant. There's an application that says we would like – you know, basically tell us how you would like to uh, use a transition grant.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. You're a big sponsor of a lot of touring. Why is it important that uh, ensembles tour their work?
1: Any, oh, any number of reasons. <laughs> um, one, it's good for the artists. It's good for them to um, be out and um, and have that input that comes with being out on tour. What, you know, whatever communities it is that you're trying to reach. It's also the nature of the work that's being created. We're a much more mobile society um, the topics that uh, people are taking on are not just their own community mm-hmm. um, so often it, it the tour is about communities that they want to reach with this work and you don't reach them without going on tour yeah that's really what what happens it's also a fact of life we don't have regional theaters with ensembles anymore And so if you are going to create work um, and you want it to live longer, uh, touring really is the way that that's going to happen. So I think, and it's good for the field. It's good for the communities uh, at large because this is work that's coming in. It tends to also have a younger audience. Again, Mm -hmm. another problem with the the regional residential theaters. You know, they're talking about oh, our audience is graying and we can't, you know, sell more subscriptions. Well, you don't need to sell a subscription to a work like this that will definitely engage a younger younger audience more readily.
0: The outcome is is not just uh, knowledge and uh, performance and um, something to watch, but, you know, something that reinvigorates uh, a company or the... The theater space or the presenter, their work, and it just is a is an interesting collaboration there. Do you hear anything from those larger theaters that say, "Hey, we are looking for um, a touring group," or "Hey, we're looking for you know, you know an ensemble to come in sometime," or how? Or or do those touring groups say, "Hey, we'd like to be you know find a way to be residents at this company throughout throughout our tour at some point."
1: Well, usually it's about relationships. Mm. So uh, we do have relationships as the National Theatre Project with some LORIC theatres, and artists often have relationships. What we find is where they come in usually is in the development process, although occasionally they have just presented work Mm -hmm. where they actually, some of them do actually have small presenting programs, right? So they may look then. But usually it's about a relationship that an artist has already started and, um, and that this allows them to build on that relationship.
0: Do you see in the application process, the groups that apply, are they nonprofits already? Have they already been incorporated and have a board or are they sort of fledgling and maybe don't have that? Or maybe you see a mix of both. It's very
1: definitely a mix and mm. we actually don't use that as a, a determinant, a criteria. Mm. Uh, if you are a small ensemble, we don't... I mean, as a policy, NIFA is not going to say, don't become a nonprofit, but we also don't require it. Mm. Uh, it it's a major stretch on many small ensembles. Um, and so we will uh, award... Uh, an ensemble, a grant, um, and they usually will have a fiscal sponsor. So we do that a lot. But it, it doesn't, that doesn't factor into the decision about whether or not they will get a grant. It's really up to the ensemble how they want to build themselves. Um, you know, some of the larger organizations, uh, do have a board or, you know, something intellectual board whatever they would call it um, and they do have an organizational structure under the 501 c3 IRS uh, statute but they don't uh, but it's not absolutely not required
0: for us hmm so uh, when you say fiscal sponsor just so so everyone's clear I'm thinking the first group that comes to my mind is fractured Atlas
1: they uh, they receive payments for the artists, and w- based on whatever contract they make with the artist, um, that dep- determines on what fee is taken out or um, what services are provided. Mm. You can have fiscal sponsors. It uh, doesn't have to be some you know a recognized name like Fractured At- Atlas. It can be uh, a social service organization. Mm. Um, it can be a museum. It uh, it just really depends on the artist's relationship with that organization. Um, that's really what we, all we ask is that that organization be a 501c3 so or be able to receive payment on behalf. They're not always 501c3s, but they need to be able to receive payment on behalf of that artist. Um, We do not look into the contract that they negotiate Mm. with the artist um, because that's their business. Mm -hmm. The assumption is that you as an artist will know how best to manage your money. Mm. Um, And so whether you have a 501c3, that's fine. Um, If you are an ensemble that um, is, you know, you all work together but you really hate that kind of structure Mm -hmm. um so you make decisions together you don't have a board um that is that's the way some ensembles work Mm -hmm. and so that's where you might want to say well if i'm going to get um an eighty thousand dollar grant i might want to get a fiscal sponsor because no one individual wants to have that tax burden Mm. um but uh, you know, but we won't say you must go get a 501c3, no.
0: What What does a successful application look like? Beyond the process, beyond the like project idea, do they write with a final results oriented idea in mind?
1: Well, because you know, ultimately there is a performance mm-hmm. of some sort and that is the ultimate result um, that's everybody will be looking for mm-hmm. um not that's uh you know if 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 it's not clear that there's a project there mm-hmm. that there is uh, some sort of devised ensemble performance to come out at the end of it um that will be noted in the comments mm-hmm. it'll be i can't wrap my head around what they're actually trying to do mm-hmm you know, we do have a preference for projects that are within 18 months of finishing. Mm. And that's only because we have found that investing, supporting, um, working with artists when they're still very early in in the stage, um, they're not sure what's going to come out at the end yet. And, um, And therefore, what we fund might not be what is best for that project. So when they're a little closer to having a better idea of what it is they're going to come out with um, at the end of their process uh, it's a little better for everybody Mm. if that we start supporting at that point. It's not like we're not looking for oh we reached this many people and we reached this many communities um or we held this many residencies Mm. uh what we are supporting is the project and the artists in the project so that they can do what they want to do Mm. with the work Um, and that's what we need to see um, and we recognize that things change all the time mm-hmm. things happen um, You know, we get into artistic different situations and the project has to be put on hold so even you know and then you know and I'll get an email saying this is the situation is it possible to postpone for a year and That makes a lot of sense and you know, we have conversation about what that means and um, and it's fine because life happens, mm. and uh, and we recognize that. It doesn't mean that we don't expect them to, ev- to eventually have a performance and do a tour, but what that tour looks like is based on the needs of the project. Mm. So uh, for some, you know, it will be reaching a lot of small uh, reservations around the country, and for others, it's reaching... You know, all of these universities we've really wanted to reach, but we haven't been able to. Mm. So that, there's no, we're not going to say, oh, you didn't make your goals, we want our money back. That's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. But we are going to say, so how can we help you achieve those goals?
0: Do you ask for anything at the end of the process?
1: We do ask, there is a final report. You know, we ask about the project and we ask, um, you know, if they have video that they would send it to us, they'll ask, you know, things about what are the, um, you know, changes in the budget or um, what's happened with collaborations and partnerships. And so, you know, those kinds of things Mm. that we will
0: talk about. you what do you wish ensembles knew before they applied?
1: That they would do a lot better if they'd actually
0: talk to us first. Mm, like reach out and give you a call and say, hey, uh, I'd like to apply, right. what do I need to know, or or more information, please? Yes. Huh. And
1: even, even to the point of saying, this is what we're thinking of doing, do you think this is going to fit the criteria?
0: Wow, really? Because I feel like folks might be so, uh, not intimidated, but it just feels like, you know, you're the you're the big grant givers we're who you don't have time to talk to lowly old me little ensemble company member here
1: that is the majority of what I feel my job needs to be because if the idea is to support the field um, it's not an easy application mm. um, and I don't want people to go into it just feeling like oh this is so hard I'm never gonna get through this um, because we can talk to you and talk through what you might want to put in the application, things that you're thinking about, will it fit? Um, You know, we do, we've, again, it happens pretty much every time. There's a dance theater company that uh, submits an application, but they haven't really thought through explaining why, Uh, you know, they're they're so-and-so dance company, but what they really do is dance and theater and so we're applying to this grant, and they don't talk about about it in that way. Mm. And so the advisors are going to say, but this is a dance application. So those are things that that the National Theatre Project team is really interested in talking to them about. And they could talk to me, they could talk to Mina Malik, who is also who's the other person on my team. And um and we will talk through. We're very, very open to that sort of thing.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. And yeah. we
1: that's why we also give feedback. When, um, we are in the process of scheduling feedback calls for those who did not make the
0: 24 that's great cuz then you're you're able to sort of assess and regroup and do it again next year that's fantastic yep oh gosh that really makes me feel that y- y'all have a heart <laughs> not that i doubted it but it just feels like it feels like when we talk about money one of the scariest things about companies and ensembles and uh theater makers feeling like money is this sort of thing that we don't want to talk about and and um and I think that but it's a necessary thing and we just don't think about the person the people attached to both sides of it. So I think that's I think everything that I'm sort of taking away today is has has stemmed from that. It's just being being personable and relatable uh, on both ends of this. this. This is fantastic.
1: It it really is. Um, it's a cultural thing. Um, I've lived in other countries and this taboo about talking about money mm-hmm. is very much a U.S. thing. Oh, and yeah. I also um, personally am a, very well aware that as a funder, there's a certain power dynamic in the relationship. And so it's part of my job is to remove that dynamic as much as possible from the relationship. Mm. Um, I'm also very well aware of the hundreds of people who are friends with me on Facebook. When, whenever I leave this position, I will never hear from them again. I know mm. that. Sure. That's real. That's real. That's the way the world works, mm. right? They know me through my position. So I'm not, and that actually is fine. I think that's a great thing. <laughs> um, yeah. At the same time. I also know that my job is to support artists. And if I'm inaccessible, I can't support
0: artists. Because this may be outside of the realm of, of NIFA, but uh, because because of the way we don't talk about money, I'm wondering if there's a... if Is there something we're not talking about in the existing system of theater making that is sort of impeding us in some way?
1: I think theater world is starting to finally have conversations around equity, mm-hmm. that's a very real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of money goes to larger theater companies, it goes to the regional theater companies um, that, you know, are, I think, are not supporting work that many people actually would like to see. Equity in grant making is a very big deal. Mm. Um, There have been a lot of studies recently about organizations of color, female-led organizations, uh, theater makers of color, uh, theater technicians of color, uh, women Mm -hmm. in um, leadership roles and in tech roles. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're just starting to really deal with it on a on a very real basis. I mean, it was true back when I was a stage manager 30 years ago. Um, It was true then and it's still true now, Mm. Uh, but it is, I think we're so much more aware of it right now that there is actually some momentum happening. So it's happening within theater and it's also happening now within the realm of grant making. I mean, it's facing us in all all walks of life. I mean, that's part of what the Me Too movement is about. Mm, it's part mm. of um, a lot of what I'm seeing with Black Lives Matter. As an Indigenous person, the whole Standing mm. Rock. Uh, it's all a s- infrastructure systemic issue. It took us a long time to get here, and it's going to take us a long time to resolve. Mm. And I am very well aware that it will not be resolved in my lifetime, mm-hmm. but I'd just like to see a little progress.
0: <laughs> right? Yes, I think I, yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, Kita, uh, thank you so much for everything. Can I invite you to participate in the lightning round that I have asked all of my other ensemble theaters to, to, to do with me? What is your favorite kind of transportation? Train. What is your favorite salutation? Hakame. And what does hakame mean? That's a,
1: that's a, a, a Montauket word for um, hello, welcome greeting.
0: Oh, fantastic! What is your favorite exclamation? Oh shit! <laughs> if not doing uh, if not doing theater granting through NIFA right now, what would you be doing? Beadwork. I saw that on your website. I think that's so fantastic. I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> um, what does Ensemble mean to you?
1: It means long-term collaborative creation towards an end goal of public performance.
0: Fantastic. Uh, what is the opposite of NIFA?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> the opposite of NIFA would be uh some tiny family foundation somewhere that only funds uh things for pets
0: <laughs> fantastic and what's your favorite kind of ice cream rum raisin oh good one nice uh kita thank you so much for your time i really appreciate you getting on the phone with me today uh this has been so informative and i really appreciate you know how Nifa is looking across the field You're welcome. And say hi to Boston for me. I do miss it so very much from time to time. I look at, I get on the train myself here, the L in Chicago, and I feel like, I'm like, yeah, but what about, what would Charlie do? (laughs) I will. thanks. Take care. You probably heard it in my voice that I was astounded by the fact that Kira said that you should just reach out and let them know about your idea. If I'm inaccessible, I can't support artists, right? This is such a refreshing thing to hear, and I hope that some of you listening will consider applying to the National Theater Project. Okay, short and sweet today, folks. To anyone out there listening, I will be at the TCG Conference in Miami this June. Uh, I'd love to connect with you there, so please hit me up in person or on Facebook or Twitter or at ftgupod at gmail.com. All right, thanks for listening, and I hope to catch you next time on From the Ground Up.